You're listening to KCBP Community Radio on 95.5 FM and streaming on kcbpradio.org. This is Women of the Valley, where we examine the issues, stories, organizations, and people important to women in our community. We're your hosts, Leah Hassett and Linda Scheller. Our music is Tin Can Trap by Chad Crouch. This is Leah Hassett. Today I'm talking with Jennifer Kara. She is a doula as well as a yoga teacher, and she is knowledgeable and experienced in the area of postpartum support. Today we're going to discuss pregnancy, childbirth, and support for new moms. Welcome, Jennifer. So if you could tell us the meaning of the word doula and and what a doula does. Sure, absolutely. So a doula is a woman who provides emotional and physical support, um, usually some education as well about what to expect about the pregnancy process, the birth process, the labor uh, and delivery and postpartum period. She's someone who you can turn to throughout that pregnancy journey with your questions. So your care provider is someone who you often go to for uh, medical tests, for you know, kind of milestone checks to make sure everything's developing correctly. And your doula is often someone that you go to when you say, is this normal or how, you know, is it normal that I feel this way? Or what should I seek out? You can ask all those questions of your care provider as well, but they typically don't have the same orientation or time to spend Mm -hmm. with you in that way. Birth is a huge rite of passage. In our society, isn't something we're going to probably do more than, you know, zero to six times. That's kind of like our our society's Mm -hmm. range. So if you haven't done it before, even though women have been doing it, for thousands and thousands of years, if you haven't done it to yourself, how are you supposed to know what's normal? Or, right. you know, what, what what don't you know? So your doula can be someone who can help you because she's navigated this journey many times with many people. She kind of knows, okay, at about 13 weeks, you might be feeling this way. At about 26 weeks, you might be wondering, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this baby. Mm-hmm. How do I actually have this baby? And we sort of know what typical feeling uh-huh. times happen in a journey. And so we can be there and say, you might be feeling this way. Or if you do have these feelings, these are some resources you could seek. Or, um, you know, so it's, I almost think of it as like a birth Sherpa. Nice. I will be your guide for your birth. Um, But then also providing that continuous support Mm -hmm. during the labor and birth process because your caregiver is going to be there to um, make sure that medically everything is going according to plan. Everything is going smoothly and it's going to be able to intervene appropriately if needed. Mm -hmm. That's not your doula's job. Mm -hmm. Your doula's job is to watch your... Uh, the unfolding of your birth mm-hmm. and see and step in when you need support. Mm-hmm. She can recognize when are those moments when you're starting to falter, when you, which is normal. Yeah. A lot of women blame themselves. Oh, I wasn't strong or I had this, these moments. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> That's normal. Right. You know, if you're on a giant hike 
uh, you know, partway through the switchbacks, you're going to be wondering, why did I ever sign up for this? That's just normal, you know, and the high you're going to get from making it to the top or making it through the birth, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is also normal. So Mm -hmm. the doula can kind of help you through that time and just keep reassuring you that it's okay. You're not Mm -hmm. doing it wrong. Right. Um, You're doing it your way and that's good. Mm -hmm. So... It's a long answer, but oh, it's a I could go answer. on and on. But a doula is essentially a guide through mm-hmm. um, a terrain that you're not used to. Mm-hmm. And hopefully she has a lot of tools and training um, and a certain personality yeah. that works well with you and your uh-huh. partner uh-huh. to help you make that journey. The role of giving support, um, is that always been what the word doula means? So my understanding is that doula comes from a Greek word, which means servant. Mm -hmm. And I always tell women that, you know, 150 or 200 years ago in a more pre-industrialized society, I have an anthropology degree and I had part of a master's degree in women's studies before I ironically became pregnant with my son. (laughs) Um, So I've always been fascinated with, for a very long time, the evolving role of support for women, for childbearing women. So Mm -hmm. that started for me back with medical anthropology in college um, and looking at how midwifery gave way to obstetrics Mm -hmm. and and sort of what we lost in that process and what we gained in that process. Um, So doula, uh, while the word doula has, I think, now come to mean basically a professional, hopefully, that you hire to attend to you in this way. What I always tell women is, you know, in that 150 or 200 year ago, pre and more pre-industrial society, there would have been a woman in your family who would have acted essentially as a doula, mm-hmm. a cousin, an aunt, um, a close friend. Somebody would have come and stayed with you in the weeks before your expected mm-hmm. birth and um, helped or assisted the midwife during that time and then stayed with you afterwards while you recovered. So this, like many other sources of support and connection, we now have a professional Mm -hmm. class to kind of take care of to fill that gap because Mm -hmm. we don't usually have someone in our family nowadays who has the ability to do that uh, resource and time-wise to play that role for us um, in our society. so that's so that's really interesting and and i suppose that i mean people were seeing birth back then a lot more so they would have a uh, more of an opportunity to 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 gain those appropriate supportive skills and often the woman in the family who did that Mm -hmm. did that she did that repeatedly Mm -hmm. so she did gain that experience and that um like a an affinity for mm-hmm. it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, she would be the one who came and made the teas and the broths and, you know, mm-hmm. n- sort of knew how to take care of you after yeah. as well. Uh, that wouldn't have been every woman's role, but there would right. have been someone likely in your extended network for whom that was her calling and her mm-hmm. affinity uh, and so forth. So, So what benefits come from having the support of the doula? So the first study that was done around doulas noticed that there was a correlation. And it was done, I, I want to say, 15 to 20 years ago. And it noticed that there was a correlation 
in positive birth outcomes with the presence of a woman literally sitting in a rocking chair in the corner of the birth room. So she wasn't even offering hands-on, like, focused support. She was a quiet presence in a rocking chair in the corner of the room. And women who gave birth reported a higher rate of satisfaction with their birth. They felt more supported. They, uh, their second stage of labor was shorter. Um, they reported more positive feelings, outcomes, and associations, and there were fewer interventions. So that led early birth researchers in what was this phenomenon Mm -hmm. to ask what is it exactly because this woman isn't even (laughs) providing hands-on support as we now know doulas mostly do Mm -hmm. interesting yeah so the support factor that presence of a non-medical person simply witnessing and believing in that woman's ability to do what she was doing and offering that quiet support was powerful Mm. And we now know that there was a study done um, that ACOG, that changed the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology's, um, some of their recommendations a couple of years ago. It was in March of, let's see, we're 2019, so I want to say it was 2016 maybe, that recognized that the single biggest factor in reducing cesarean rate was the presence of continuous emotional support during labor. And that is essentially a doula. So, um, so those are some of the studyable, so to speak, yes. outcomes. Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, what I hear as a doula um, that gives me some of the biggest joy and satisfaction in what I've gotten to do, what I've been absolutely, totally blessed to do, is meeting with the families afterwards and mm-hmm. having um, the mom say, I just couldn't have done it without you. And I know that that woman could have done what she did without me. Mm -hmm. I know what she's saying is, I felt supported. I felt like somebody had me during that time, Mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of people are afraid that a doula is going to replace the partner in Mm -hmm. the scenario. And so my second biggest joy is hearing the partner say, oh my gosh, thank goodness you were there. I felt like you supported us. Because my job isn't to take the place of anybody's partner. Sure. Although I've certainly been to births where I am the partner because yes. a partner can't be there for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but to support them in that process and to just be that uh, safety net of emotional support is yeah. incre- It's an incredible feeling because you know that they're starting off parenthood, regardless of however many interventions may have been needed in the process, with almost like a cushion of support around them that saw that helped see them through a time that is transformative. Yeah. You know, so to me there's there's like no better thing that I've gotten to do. Yeah. You know. Can you tell us about the changing role that fathers specifically have? Um, in the birth room. Absolutely. So, um, obviously, I was born in the 70s when I think men in California were just being allowed back into the birth room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we have seen a huge change in the last 40 years for fathers' roles or, um, or partners' roles in birth. 
That said, other than sometimes taking a childbirth education class, we haven't really prepared them for um, what birth is going to look like, what it's going to sound like, um, how they can best support a partner during that time. And so it's been a joy for me to get to work with dads Mm -hmm. over the last um, 20 years because they love their partners so much Mm -hmm. and they want to help. But birth is usually a totally foreign terrain to them. Now, you occasionally have a dad who was present at the home birth of some of his siblings or, you know, has just has been in a large family where a lot of babies have come in. And so he's got a, just a huge wealth of um, experience around babies. But for the most part in our current modern society, we don't have a lot of experience with birth and babies until it's our turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and in general, this is not, obviously there are exceptions, I'm speaking in generalization, but in general, the partner of, of the pregnant person often wants to help solve or fix problems mm. um, that come up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you're in pain, um, you're uncomfortable, you need more iron, and so mm-hmm. they want to find solutions to those things. When it comes to labor, which is a very non-linear, I mean, it's a linear process in that it starts and it eventually Mm -hmm. culminates with a baby, but there's a lot of, I like to think of it as a labyrinth almost. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of parts where, you know, you're walking in very tight corners and there are parts where it feels expansive and freeing Mm and, um, but it's, it's an evolving, uh, emotional, physical and mental journey. And so the tools that you're going to be need in terms of support are going to go through a lot of changes in that time. Uh-huh. So it can be a lot to keep up with for a partner mm-hmm. because one minute pressing on someone's hips is providing pain relief and the next minute um, there are tears and there's a need for reassurance. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot for someone to react to constantly. Yes. So, um, and the woman deserves uh, companionship and partnership in that time mm-hmm. that helps her through that time. Yes. So I watched so many wonderful dads want to be able to continually recalibrate. And as a doula, it can be lovely to help them do that, to say, mm-hmm. if you press here while I'm pressing here, we can help her through these contractions. Or I think all she needs right now is for you to just hug her mm-hmm. and tell her that she's doing a great job. Yeah. And almost giving them the tools moment to moment that they need to mm-hmm. help support their partner because at the end of the birth you want them to remember how they work together as a couple through this process because that's who's going to be parenting this little baby mm-hmm. and so the presence of fathers in the birth room has been amazing and it's usually brand new to them so mm-hmm. as a doula getting to be able to support them while they support their partners and offer both of them that support and offer the dad specific tools that really will work mm-hmm. to help his partner feel better um, is a total joy. And so many studies have shown that the presence of fathers at the birth um, is has wonderful outcomes for uh, the babies and the young children and for um, young girls, a lot of our self-esteem. There's been a recent study that talked about self-esteem in young girls and dads being present so yeah it's pretty awesome but support again (laughs) so that it's a positive experience for both of them so that when you know someone comes in and says well there you know we can't pick up baby's heart rate in this position and dad's eyes go big because 
He doesn't know that that's normal for the monitor to slip off in that place. Right. And all we need to do is readjust that. Right. Um, then he can stay calm yes. because I've caught his eye or a doula has caught his eye and said, it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's totally normal. Mm-hmm. I would let you know if something was really wrong. Um, can be really helpful. One of the questions I had was how does the yoga studio for pregnant women and moms and babies function as a piece of the support? I've taught prenatal yoga. I'm not currently teaching at the moment. Just mm-hmm. so. But I have taught prenatal yoga in the Valley for uh, over a decade. And one of my favorite things that people come back and tell me that say, thank you for doing, for saying this, Mm -hmm. because the beginning of my yoga class is a Mm check-in. So we sit in a circle, we do yoga in a circle. There are very few uh, women's circles just to talk about uh, this unique time. Mm -hmm. This is a place where women can be 100% pregnant because in their job, you know, they might need to... Yes. Uh, modify or do certain things but this place it's safe to just be 100% pregnant how you are you know everybody's pregnant I love it (laughs) Um, but I'm always careful to say you may have wanted to have a baby from the time you were 10 years old and all you could picture was being a mom right or you may have become pregnant completely by surprise and you are terrified or somewhere in between and everyone is welcome in this mm-hmm. room. It's all okay. And that may change from day to day. Some days you may be thrilled about being pregnant, and some days you may be terrified. Right. There are women I have had who have mortgaged a home in order to pursue IVF, in order to have a baby, right. who then feel awful during their pregnancy and feel mm-hmm. so terribly guilty. Right. And then there are women who, you know, um, never intended to have a baby, find themselves pregnant, and are thrilled. Right. And... It's so important that each woman's journey get to be unique to her. Mm-hmm. And we learn to say, and right. I'm really looking forward to this and I'm scared. Or I thought I wanted a baby and now I don't know. I'm scared. Whatever. Like the and is really important because mm-hmm. when we try to put women in camps that say, yeah. you're either happy and thrilled and this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Right. Um, that denies a whole changing reality and an inner landscape and makes her feel very alone and isolated. Right. Because she's supposed to be thrilled and happy about this is our is our usual narrative that yeah. we have out there. <laughs> yes. Right? And so and then if mom's had a traumatic birth experience, and that trauma can be anything from I wanted a completely natural birth. But at one point, I decided that some pain management was really important for me to get through this 44-hour labor. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I wanted an, an unmedicated birth and I had a, or I mean, a, a vaginal birth and I had a cesarean section. Mm-hmm. It is so important for women to, and, and then women are told, well, all that matters is healthy baby, healthy mama. And yes... It's wonderful that mom is healthy and baby is healthy after that. And if we do not acknowledge her feelings of grief and sadness and loss around, or just even shock Mm -hmm. at how of the reality of a birth experience. Yes. Even if you had no interventions, it can be a terrible shock. Yes. 
just the physical sensations and the intensity and the out of itness you may feel at certain points. Right. If we don't acknowledge those feelings, we're setting moms up for postpartum depression and anxiety because there is nowhere for her to talk about those feelings. Right. So. Yeah. I don't even remember the original question, but that's. I think that was right on target. What do women experience postpartum depression or anxiety? I have a number that says 15% of births are resulting in moms feeling postpartum depression and anxiety in the U.S. That's from 2017. Absolutely. So I think what I forgot to say in our previous question and answer was that what women come back and say is thank you for allowing from the beginning that I might have a range of experiences. Mm. And that's particularly true postpartum. One thing I say is that you may fall in love with your baby the moment you see your baby. There may be a contact high and a hormonal high and a culmination of everything high, and it may feel like falling out of a tree in love. (laughs) If that doesn't happen to you, you're still a good mom Mm -hmm. because that did not happen to me the first time. And it's very true for a lot of women that it's a process of falling in love with your baby. You might have a fierce desire to protect that baby, those maternal instincts of protection Mm -hmm. and strength may be very much intact. But love might be something that seems very uh, surreal or not connected Uh to your baby. And it may take you time to grow into that love with your baby. And that was definitely true for me with my first child. And Mm -hmm. so I've always been very careful to say that postpartum is going to look very different for different women. And please don't judge yourself in those early days because it is an overwhelming time. Even if you had a relatively textbook birth, Mm -hmm. eight to ten hours of active labor, which is very unusual Uh to have a first-time birth where Uh there's really that, Um, But even if you had a textbook birth where you had no interventions and you felt supported during that time, it's still a huge adjustment. You had to open at every single level, emotionally, physically, Mm -hmm. um, mentally, for this baby to pass through you, a human, right? Right. Your identity up until that moment was you as this person that you know. And in our Western world, we have a very individualized consciousness. We have very we have a lot of descriptions of ourselves. I am this. I am a and they're often very head-based. Right. Now we go on body time and baby time. Mm-hmm. You know, we're leaking out of every orifice of our body from having given birth. It's a very physical time. Right. Our loss of control over our body in that um, now it's making milk mm-hmm. for a baby. Um, now it's hormones that were being used to nurture this pregnancy are being completely uh, changed gears, and now we're into a new phase. Right. So the upheaval is unlike almost anything that we've gone through before, and our brain begins to rewire itself more than it has since our adolescence was the last time that happened. And you know how well teenagehood went for most of us, okay? So let's just put that in perspective. Yeah. So, right. So this mom, this this organism, <laughs> she now feels like an organism, right? Yes. 
or an she organ. Needs, <laughs> right. Or a combination okay. of, right. And meanwhile, she's wondering, like, what swaddle cloths from Target? Well, you know, the right. expectations are that she has these beautiful newborn shots and, mm-hmm. and that she's going to go on and do these these things. And in six weeks, she's going to be back to normal. Mm. So one of the biggest myths I feel like is perpetuated out there about the postpartum time, and this, you'll unfortunately, you'll find this in a lot of literature, is that mom should feel back to normal two weeks postpartum. Now, I have worked in this field informally for 20 years, formally mm-hmm. for 12 years. I have never met a single woman who has felt back to normal at two weeks. I just don't even know where that, actually, <laughs> I have some ideas about where that came from, right? <laughs> um, who was writing the literature at the mm-hmm. time. But I like to tell women, think of your first three and a half months after you have the baby as the fourth trimester, a period of tremendous adjustment. If at the end of that three and a half month time, you're not feeling like you'd start to like to begin to bring your baby into activities that you previously enjoyed, whether that was going for walks, going to the farmer's market, going mm-hmm. to the library, having, you know, going to dinner, going to coffee, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is. If you're still feeling like you just want to be home and you don't, you're unsure about seeking that out. Right then that's a really big clue that you are suffering from postpartum depression or anxiety. Uh The reason I say that is that we used to say this ridiculous two-week marker, Mm -hmm. and then then we diagnosed everybody with postpartum depression Uh or anxiety, Uh right? Or or through that word around, we say we have postpartum. Right. Well, let's just say everybody's going to have a postpartum adjustment phase. Yeah. That's going to happen. That's normal. Right. Your body just went through something like it's never done before. It's normal to cry a lot. It's normal to feel isolated because we don't have the type of support societally mm-hmm. that would generally help us heal. Yeah. It's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's not normal to never want to hold your baby mm-hmm. or to feel um, anger at your baby or to want to hurt yourself or your baby. Mm-hmm. It happens. And those right. are signs of something bigger and deeper that's going to need more support. Mm-hmm. But overwhelm is normal. Crying is normal. Wondering, because having a baby is like the ultimate lack of control. Mm-hmm. And our whole society is, is full of panda planners and bullet journals and, you know, schedules and Google Calendar and everything we can control, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's natural yes. that there would be a dissonance there, and it's yes. going to take us some time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that said, one in seven or one in eight American women do experience postpartum depression or anxiety. Those are high numbers for a society. The worldwide postpartum psychosis rate is pretty consistent across countries. That's, uh-huh. um, but postpartum depression or anxiety are rather high in our country. Mm-hmm. And my belief is because of the way that we don't truly support women postpartum, mm-hmm. um, that we uh, expect them to get back to normal, that we expect them to entertain people. We don't, you know, right. in so many societies around the world, we expect to take care of them. We expect to um, keep them in bed, get them warm liquids, get them broths, um, you know. And that the, their only job is to feed the baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> right? 
that you right. were laying here with the baby, somebody brought you the baby to feed, and then when you were done, took the baby away, kept it warm, and made you food. Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to 95.5 FM KCVP Radio. Support in breastfeeding is huge. Absolutely. I don't have a number attached to it's that. It's critical. It was, what I didn't realize was really how huge. <laughs> well, there's so much involved with breastfeeding. It's natural, so to speak, but it's also a steep learning curve for mom and baby. Right. You've got two humans who have to coordinate this entirely new activity. Right. So I think it's a really big surprise for a lot of people that something that they plan to do is so hard or right. can be so hard. Right. For It's actually a very small percentage for whom it just is simple. Mm-hmm. There are probably lots of reasons for that, some of which include that we uh, don't necessarily support the, the most relaxed position for mom and baby to mm-hmm. breastfeed in. Laid back breastfeeding is what La Leche League has in most recently been teaching moms and showing moms to do. Mm-hmm. And it's the most natural position where mom is a bit reclined like this and mm-hmm. baby can lie mm-hmm. on mom's body. This right. gives baby the advantage of drinking at a certain angle, mm-hmm. mom the ability to relax. So mm-hmm. everything from we don't really support the most appropriate or easeful position for mom uh-huh. to the fact that we are covered up most of the time in our society. Right. In, you know, societies where children have greater access to breasts, yes. um, then breastfeeding is going to be more smooth. Um, we don't usually have generations of women who we have been around breastfeeding, right. so we can see what's normal. And also to understand the variation within breastfeeding, yes. the size of breasts, the size of nipples, inverted nipples, flat nipples, um, challenges that maybe people in our community have already worked through mm-hmm. uh, and have knowledge about. So that's a factor. Um, Probably one of the single biggest roadblocks I see, a common roadblock for breastfeeding, is it's almost like it needs to be, and this is going to sound so, you know, it's kind of crazy because we talk about, um, you know, the reality is breastfeeding is going to come down to the mom, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to be the one doing it. Right. And so for the first two weeks, I almost think of it as like a full-time job. Yes. Because the reality is that little brand new baby is going to need to nurse between 8 and 12 times in a 24-hour period. So if you do the math, that's going to be, you know, basically two out every two hours. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's going to be cluster feeding, which people also aren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. The baby's going to just be on the breast almost all the time over a three-hour, four-hour period. Mm-hmm. But that every hour and a half on average... To get the baby latched and positioned and get your drink or your food and the things you need and, and then for baby to nurse and extract the milk mm-hmm. is going to take a while. Yeah. By the time you've gotten up now, have changed your pad because you're still bleeding postpartum, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe walked a little bit, maybe your body's still sore from the huge physical event it just mm-hmm. went through. Um, maybe changed your clothes because hormonally you're going to have, you know, those postpartum sweats Mm -hmm. that are pretty intense and gotten something to eat for yourself and maybe slept for 20 minutes. It's going to be time to start that again. Right. So you can see quickly how that can get very interrupted 
Right. When you have tons of people coming over, wonderfully well-meaning people, Mm -hmm. to visit and see the baby. Yes. So if, and if you have a lot of people back to back doing that, Mm -hmm. you can wind up trying to feed the baby, do this thing, which you've never done before. Right. With this little being who's never done before and is crying. Right. With an audience full of people who don't know how to help or support you. Right. How that feeding session is probably not going to go very well. And then that's not going to set you up very well for the next feeding session. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the biggest roadblocks where Mm -hmm. breastfeeding breaks down is in these first two weeks after mom, if mom's had a hospital birth, has been released to go home. Because maybe the lax was okay at the hospital with a lactation consultant, hopefully working with mom to help that get you know, right. established well. But once we get home, until baby has gotten better at it, mm-hmm. and we've gotten more comfortable with it, and we've worked out the kinks, and, right. and the baby, as the baby grows and his mouth is getting more efficient and better and quicker right. at extracting the milk, it is a constant focus. Right. And when we put our focus on something else, or we're asked to put our focus on something else, which is usually a steady stream of visitors who want to meet the baby. Right. How is mom supposed to do those things? Right. She's exhausted. So where we can support moms, one of the biggest ways we can help support breastfeeding is in those first couple weeks, very brief visits with warm food and then help. Mm-hmm. So um, not asking mom, what could I do? Mm-hmm. But just doing the dishes, doing, taking the trash out, walking the animals, not having mom have to make any decisions about it. Mm-hmm. And then if breastfeeding is not working well, mm-hmm. helping pay for and out of pocket because we don't have a clinic. I mean, there are, you can go back to the hospital and you can see a right. lactation consultant. But there are also private practice IBCLCs, mm-hmm. which who essentially have the equivalent of a master's degree in breastfeeding. That's how many mm-hmm. hours they have spent studying and doing clinical hours. Uh-huh. And they can come to your home and they can help you troubleshoot. And it typically takes an hour and a half to two hours of a very skillful mm-hmm. help on their part, but they're amazing. Wow. Um, and that can help get you over that bump. So if you really want to help support a breastfeeding woman, pay for an IBCLC appointment for her uh-huh. if she wants that, if yeah. that will help her. You know, obviously yes. just telling her that this is how she must do things <laughs> is not going to help her. <laughs> but being able to provide those kind of tangible supports right. for someone um, because something, uh, unfortunately, a lot of things are not covered by insurance in our area. Um, and private breastfeeding support is one of them. But it can be an amazing help. Um, so instead of getting her more beautiful blankets, mm-hmm. which are lovely, but maybe putting into a fund for her to get breastfeeding support. Um, what if you, this is going to be a challenging question, what yeah. if you're a poor woman who has only only very low-income family members? Absolutely. Is there, a, Absolutely. Is, there, is there anything creative that people can do? So um, WIC has some good resources. Um, I believe at this time, someone who used to be a La Leche League leader who worked there and was wonderful um, with breastfeeding support, um, I think she's currently a lactation consultant at Kaiser. But because of some hiring around that time, my understanding is there is some good breastfeeding support at WIC. and uh, La Leche League is a wonderful volunteer organization. It's woman-to-woman support. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are monthly meetings in our area. So that is a great resource um, for sure. But it's, it's 
there are resources. It's, okay. It can be challenging to access them, mm-hmm. and it can be challenging to get the word out about them. Right. Um, but there are some resources. But I would start with WIC, and I would mm-hmm. ask for breastfeeding support there. Um, and I would ask if they have any counselors who have backgrounds in breastfeeding support. Okay. Um, you know. That's good to know. WIC um, stands for Women, Infants, Sorry, Children. Sorry, thank you. Yes. And it's... Uh, it's it's a service that it, it, actually a pretty large number of people mm-hmm. that I know have mm-hmm. have had WIC who Absolutely. aren't typically people that have qualified for other services yes. Um, yes. from the government yeah. for um, safety net. There is a great book from the library. It's called The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding. It was put out by the Leche League. And if um, a woman has access to the internet on her phone, that is one of the advantages of social media now mm-hmm. is that there are support groups for breastfeeding uh-huh. so um, and there are support groups for postpartum um, support. So a woman needs help when she needs help, yes. <laughs> basically, in the postpartum yeah. time. So being able to go online and um, access online La Leche League groups uh, oh. in your area. There's a very active one in the Mountain House area. Oh. Um, that So you'll be awake in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. but if you have a cell phone and you're upset and you're having a breastfeeding question, there are hundreds of other women out there who are awake at night breastfeeding their children and might be able to help you. So that uh-huh. woman-to-woman support, wow. there is... That has been a cool thing about yeah. social media, for sure, is that direct access to another woman who could help you. What keywords do you think you might put in when you're doing that search? Great question. I would say uh, breastfeeding support. Um, if you have a Facebook account, I would say search La Leche League of your area, you know, type in your county. Mm-hmm. Um, another great resource for um, women online for postpartum help, and this isn't breastfeeding, but it's um, emotional and mental health, yes. is Postpartum Support International. Okay. If you type in Postpartum Support International, it'll come to their website, and you can go by region. Uh, you can look for uh, an actual person in your area that you could call. There's also a warm line. Mm-hmm. Um, there's closed Facebook groups that you can join that have a mix of uh, mental health professionals as mm-hmm. well as women who are currently experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety on there uh-huh. um, so those can be wonderful forums there's also a chat with the experts hour so you can uh, tune into a call for with an actual live um, expert in mental health postpartum mm-hmm. mental health there's a, um, a dad's forum nice. um, yeah so there are some great online resources a big roadblock to those is feeling shame Mm-hmm. Um, around accessing them and so hopefully you know we can continue to chip away at that shame um, right. because I really say whose shame is it you know shame on our society right. is really my kind of shtick about it um, yeah. because hmm the numbers are high yeah so is it really all these women who right you know or is it that we are not providing the environment in which this dramatic transportation can transformation can take place and this healing can happen and i think it was the netherlands i could be getting this wrong Um, no i think it was a client i had from the netherlands Mm -hmm. um, she told me that in the netherlands there is a house a postpartum house that you go to for two weeks after you have the baby wow and there's a home health care nurse there the whole time so you're there with your baby while other people are taking care of your meals 
and um, holding your baby if need Mm -hmm. be while you shower. And somebody then is right there for your first two weeks of your baby's life answering all your questions and helping you um, and and assisting you Mm -hmm. to adjust to this huge normal. And I think about the investment in that family at that point and the amazing dividends that could pay off for the right. rest of those people's lives if we were able to provide something like that. Yes. Right? Because Absolutely. it's so much different just to survive something right. than it is to be set up to thrive in something. Yes. Right? Yes. We've all gotten through those first couple of weeks. Right. But it's not really the, the bar where we want the bar set. Right. I... I don't know. I don't think so. No. <laughs> it's almost like that. I mean, I could be saying this wrong and it may not be true, but it's like the numbers that the numbers in um, time off and, yeah. um, you know, budgets right. towards support and. Um, it's all preventative if, care. If those, are, if those are numbers are low and then, right. then the numbers are high and. Yeah. In, We're in creating inverse me. relationships. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and breastfeeding and taking care of your baby without uh, always looking at the clock are, yes. are, do not seem efficient, but I, I think that they definitely can be later. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I think we're, I think in that model, we're really, setting um, women up because here's the thing our model is make sure you take your newborn care class before you have your newborn Mm -hmm. make sure you take your birth class before you have your birth make sure you do all these things right so it's sort of all on this woman to be educated about what she's going to need to know yeah and that's a fascinating approach to what is a very visceral, physical, biological process. Mm-hmm. How often is it more the case that what we need is as this visceral, physical, psychological, biological process is unfolding, right. we could have somebody there to say, okay, so this is totally normal. And what you might expect is this, here are the variations. Um, okay, no, that's not within normal, so let me help right. you with that. That's so much different than like cramming for a test or an event that isn't going to happen for X amount of months that yes. you have no actual hands-on experience with. How then in your sleep-deprived state and your healing state are you supposed to recall, okay, so how many wet diapers was I supposed to see? Right. You don't even know what day it is for a little while, you know? Most people don't even have a person there looking out for them or right. access to those right. indicators. Right. And so it's like, yeah. Right. Wow. So I just feel like where we, where we expect people to retain information about an event and a process that, one, they're not currently in, mm-hmm. and two, is accessing a totally non-rational part of your body and self. Right we don't really get to parent from that place for a while, right. you know. We're parenting from a very biological, instinctual, right, emotional, hormonal place for yes. a while. Yeah. So let's support that. Yeah. Wow. You know. 
Sorry, I could just talk and talk oh, and talk. Oh, no, and talk. absolutely. <laughs> what are some of the supports available to mothers experiencing postpartum depression and anxiety? You've addressed that, but I want to make sure that we are inclusive. Okay, so as I mentioned in our area, I would first contact Postpartum Support International online. You can look for resources in our area. That way, they're regional coordinators. You can also access several of their support um, groups online. So that's a great place to start. If you are already working with a mental health professional in our area, Mm -hmm. that's another great place to uh, check in with. Talk about it during your pregnancy with your mental health provider. Um, If you're taking medication, ask if that medication might need to be adjusted or be appropriate um, postpartum. Mm -hmm. You might also ask how much experience they have with postpartum, um, treating postpartum clients. So that's someone to, um, if you already have a mental health professional um, as part of your care team, somebody you can access, Mm -hmm. that's something to definitely check in about while you're pregnant. Um, because if you have experienced depression or anxiety before in your in your life, those put you more likely to experience it postpartum as well. Uh-huh. Um, and, but your hormones can impact that and change that. So it's really important that you work with somebody on that. Mm-hmm. Um, then we also have additional resources in our area that um, might be a piece of your care postpartum. Different people have had success or felt um, some relief with some somatic therapies or body work. Hmm. Uh, we have a somatic experience or a therapist downtown, Stephanie Stolte. We have a craniosacral person, Lori Fenner. Uh, we have um, acupuncture with um, Amy Pendergrass at In Touch Body Work. So there are some resources in our area that are complementary therapies mm-hmm. that can really help, especially if there's been birth, physical birth trauma uh-huh. to mom or baby. Those can be a really important component of okay. the postpartum period. Um, great breastfeeding help <laughs> is always needed. So volunteer organizations like La Leche League, either in person or online. Mm-hmm. Um, WIC does have sometimes some people who are trained or have a breastfeeding experience background. So that can be a helpful place mm-hmm. to contact. Um, up until recently myself and another co-leader were leading monthly support groups in person just offering peer support Uh we're not currently doing that right now uh, because of just each of our different schooling experiences but we're hoping that that will start up again in the future Mm -hmm. Um, what about groups uh, I've heard about at hospitals that are not just breastfeeding groups but are um, are those Currently something that is great, accessible great in Stanislaw? Yes. Um, so Memorial, for mm-hmm. many years, has had a mom and baby um, group. It used to be, as far as I remember, that you didn't need to give to have given birth there to uh-huh. attend. Uh-huh. Um, I think that is still true, but I believe there is a small fee uh, to attend the meetings. Um, but that is a wonderful place to um, go have a weekly check-in. Uh-huh. And here's the thing, because one of the things that really helps postpartum is Mm -hmm. after you get over the initial hump and the sort of the initial transformation shock of what happened that you have a baby now um, colleagues can be really helpful right there's almost no other job that you can have where you don't have any co-workers right okay so going out and seeing other 
um, moms and babies uh-huh. can offer some collegial support. And that's really shouldn't be underestimated how important it is just to be around other moms and babies. So you're saying the colleagues are the your, are your, your, your other moms and in babies. In the business of yes, absolutely. being a new mom. Yeah. Because if you're the only one in your friend group, right. or you're the only one in your um, work environment who has a new baby, that adds to the isolating feelings. So going out, it can be one of the most democratic times, right? Mm-hmm. In that what you have in common with the women in the room, maybe you have complete, maybe you're a trucker and she's a nurse and you know, this one um, just took the GED and she's 16. Right. But what you have in common is that you have a baby. Yes. And that is an incredible experience to share that time together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the support and the tender heart for other mothers that yes. you have at that time right. can be one of the best places to be. Yeah. Now, the flip side of that is if you're feeling a lot of guilt and shame due to previous depression or anxiety or postpartum depression or anxiety, mm-hmm. you can self-isolate more. Mm-hmm. And going around other moms and babies who look what you think of as normal mm-hmm. and you don't feel that way can feel scary and isolating. Sure. So that's where I really encourage those moms to reach out, call Postpartum Support International, call mm-hmm. the warm line. Um, we say with help, you're not alone, it's not your fault, and with help, with the appropriate help, you'll get better. Mm-hmm. So just know that all those things are for you too, but if they're making you feel bad, um, reach right. out. You know. Right. So we've covered some of the local resources, and I just to reiterate, um, you've talked about quite a few things, and you've mm-hmm. said the names and and some web some keywords and websites. But I'm gonna I'm going to make sure that there's at least a link um, on the uh, website of KCBP Radio, um, so people can look for that, and they can mm-hmm. look for this episode of this show. Women of the Valley, interviewing Jennifer Kara, and I will make sure we have something up there. Um, can you tell us about what to do in a, if there's a mental health emergency um, during somebody's experience of postpartum depression and or anxiety? Absolutely. So you can call 911. You can have somebody drive you to a local emergency room. In our county, uh, doctors hospital is the, the seat of county mental health so mm-hmm. that's where you would um, go mm-hmm. um, but if you show up at another ER somebody's going to help you get appropriate care most likely go to doctors uh-huh um, you can also if you have access to or um, have a choice you can also access St. Joseph's Hospital in Stockton I've had women um, who've reported um, who have gone there, um, declaring themselves an emergency to themselves or their children, mm-hmm. and found that the therapeutic model that St. Joe's offers during the three-day stay, inpatient stay, has mm-hmm. been beneficial to them as well. Okay. So that's another option. Is there any outside um, agencies, or um, you've spoken about the Postpartum International, is yeah. there a way Is there a way that they can support um, moms through that, um, because I guess I'm picturing that yes. being a nav, um, 
another thing to navigate yeah so Mm -hmm. after after somebody has an emergency there might be some navigating that they need reuniting with their baby or yeah I don't know absolutely postpartum support international if you call their warm line Mm -hmm. and you tell them you're having an emergency they can help direct guide you to through the appropriate steps to take um and then you can call them afterwards as okay. you're sort of reintegrating into your life and the postpartum phase. Uh-huh. Um, also, if you call and um, you speak to someone, they will try to help you find someone in your area to connect with. So, mm-hmm. for example, as a volunteer for Postpartum Support International, I've been contacted by women, uh, other volunteers in mm-hmm. Alabama or Texas or Minnesota and mm-hmm. saying, hey, I have a woman who just moved to your area. Mm-hmm. She has this going on. She called me and I told her I would connect her with you. Um, or, you know, this person needs an inpatient um situation in your area Uh I'm not familiar with it could you help her so there is once you've made contact with postpartum support international and Mm -hmm. declared that you need help in general I have seen it to be a a good safety net of really helping women try to find something in their area okay that is so good to know yeah and that's true whether you want to whether you're not sure if you have um Yes. A, an emergency or not, yes. it, and it's true whether you're not even sure if you have uh, that um, serious condition yes. of depression or or yes. just just finding out how to get support yeah. across the board. Yes, there's in not fact, a, a closed door. At, absolutely, at and in fact, one thing I love about Postpartum Support International mm-hmm. is that it treats their volunteers with support as well. Wow. So it models what they would like you to offer postpartum women. For example, the first time I ever got a call from someone who thought she was experiencing postpartum psychoses, mm-hmm. I didn't want to give her incorrect advice, and I wasn't yes. sure how to handle it exactly. Yeah. I knew how I would handle it as a woman and a friend, but I right. didn't know how I would handle that as a volunteer for a mental health organization. Mm-hmm. So I was able to call somebody who had much greater experience than I was, mm-hmm. who also happened to be a counselor, and she was able to give me a couple guidelines about how to help this woman understand whether she truly did have postpartum psychoses or not. Mm-hmm. Not in, in no way a diagnosis manner, but yeah. in a way of what resources would be best for her to access. Uh-huh. And that was so empowering as a volunteer yes. to be able to actually help her instead of say, well, I'm not a, I don't know what to tell you, so you better just call 911. Right. Which I would have totally done yes. if she needed that. Yes. But I was able to, because of someone taking the time to support me as a volunteer, right. I was able to help her get appropriate care for her situation. Yeah. So I really like how Postpartum Support International does that. It sounds wonderful. And so it's called Postpartum Support International. Yes. And mm-hmm. we're going to have the link to that yes. on our website, kcbpradio.org. Um, we didn't we didn't cover a lot about the physical benefits of yoga during pregnancy and mm-hmm. the postpartum period, but um, if you could just give us some websites, I'd love to include that and, Absolutely. and um, possibly some local websites so you can get some schedules if you're going to have a baby or if you've had a baby and you want to try yoga. 
thank you so much for talking oh, with us. I so much enjoyed me. this and realized so many wonderful things talking oh. to you. Thank you, Leah. It's yeah. such a pleasure. You've been listening to Women of the Valley on KCBP Community Radio at 95.5 FM and streaming online at kcbpradio.org. This has been Leah Hassett and Linda Scheller. Be sure to catch us next time on Women of the Valley. Thanks for listening. Our music is Tin Can Trap by Chad Crouch. 